Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah. I'm Recovered Compulsive Overeater and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, February 26, 2023. The share ID numbers for Friday, February 24th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 19,994. That's 19994. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 19,995. That's 19995. This morning, a vision for you presents Bill's story. I saw, I felt, I believed. Chapter one of the big book is devoted to Bill W's story. Anyone familiar with the big book knows that Bill offers his personal narrative and testimony of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Essentially, a penned 12-step call. It's a frightening, vivid, and detailed account of one alcoholic's descent into the madness of alcoholism. It is also the inspiring and uplifting story of his complete recovery and his resulting mental, physical, and spiritual health. It is this humbling of Bill in the presence of powerlessness, this whittling down of his puffed ego, this forced confrontation with his essential finiteness, which ultimately allows Bill to embrace a spiritual remedy to his alcohol problem. Bill W.'s story gives us inspiration and hope as we see that even someone hopelessly addicted to alcohol, as Bill W. was, can recover. And if he can recover, so can anyone. Here to present Bill's story and bring it to life in further detail is Craig F., a beloved member of Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, a recovered compulsive overeater from Oklahoma. Craig is dedicated to our 12-step way of life, which of course includes carrying the message of recovery. And it's with great appreciation and delight that I welcome Craig F. to the line this morning. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Leah. How are you this morning? Thank you for that introduction. Well, my pleasure. Great. Great. This is Craig F., uh, and I am recovered, and I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I'm uh, honored and glad to be here. When Leah called me <coughs> or texted me and said she had a cancellation and wanted to uh, know if I would fill this role today, this spot today, I, 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 uh, my first reaction was, uh, uh, of course, um, I'm, I never, I've, I've been taught never to say no when asked to, to share my story. That it's my, uh, it's, it's my responsibility and. Uh, that I only my other responsibility is to share it uh, honestly from the heart uh, where I'm at. But 
I wanted, uh, I, I'd been wanting for a while to uh, to do a little deeper look at uh, Bill's spiritual experience, and uh, uh, there, there's some reasons for that, um, which I'll get into in a moment when I talk about my history. But um, I, I, so I, I, one of the first things I did was talk to uh, Harlan and uh, bring up the fact that I was going to do a special edition and that I wanted to do it on Bill's story and particularly on Bill's spiritual experience. And and uh, to give credit where credit's due, Harlan is the one that suggested the three I see, I saw, I felt, and I believe and gave me some expansion of that uh, idea. Um, and so I wanted to give, I wanted to give him a shout out and say thank you for the idea and for the help and uh, for helping flush this thing out. The reason I wanted to talk about Bill's, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Bill's spiritual experience was that um, I tripped over this in, 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 in essence when I first came in. I, I tripped over this idea. I, I, I um, listened to the people around me and what I heard was that Bill drank a lot, that he had a terrible time and that he got in the hospital and that he uh, 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 in, in the hospital the third time that he was struck by a white light and uh, that uh, that white light uh, that God appeared to him in the in the hospital room and you know there's some there's some literature from Bill that kind of backs that up that God appeared to him in the in the in the in the uh, hospital room during his third visitation and then and uh, and he walked out a free man and I thought <clears throat> good that's the way this works I want one of those here I am God strike me with the lightning you know um, uh, I'll take one please um, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting when you're ready to hit me. It didn't hit, uh, uh, you know. And, and I guess I'm not alone in that um, in that assumption. When you read in the appendix in the back of the big book, the appendix to the spiritual experience, it says, "Yes, it's true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experience must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals." Halfway for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by vast change in feeling and outlook. Well, there I was, you know. Uh, an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness. You know, there's a there's an old hymn that we don't sing in my church, but they do in some called, you know, while on others you are calling, do not pass me by. You know, and and uh, uh, you know, I, it felt like that. And uh, but I, I did felt passed by. Um, you know, I, I thought that I was doing what I was supposed to do. Um, and then o- over in the the uh, one of my favorite chapters, which is uh, there is a solution, and I like that chapter for 
many reasons. One of which is that uh, it's, it's there's a promise of a solution. Um, I've lost my marker from my page. Um, it says uh, a great fact is this, and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which has revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish these things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. And, and uh, you know, even further on, and there's a and there is a solution during in Roland Hazard's story. Um, the Dr. Young is talking to to uh, Roland, and and uh, uh, this is uh, uh, on page 27. He says uh, there it says to me these occurrences, these here and there, once in a while, an alcoholic. Alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomenon. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to the side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. Suddenly cast aside. I like that. In fact, I have been trying to produce some emotional rearrangement within you, some such. With many individuals, this methods which I employed are successful, but I've never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. And, 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 and again, from that, I got this idea that this spiritual experience was going to be this sudden revolutionary idea, this sudden revolutionary change. And, and you know, part of the reason I wanted to change was I didn't like who I was, you know. I, I didn't like um, who I had become. Um, I, I was um, not living up to my uh, ideas, my own standards. Um, I, I was uh, certainly not satisfied with the outcomes in my life. And um, I, I wanted that change. I wanted that... Re- revolutionary change. I wanted to be somebody else, but I didn't know how to get there. You know, um, we, we need a guide to help us get there and, and, uh, you know, not to make excuses, but, uh, I must not have been ready because the guide didn't appear. You know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, uh, the, I had to go through some more things to, to get ready before this would happen. <clears throat> but I also realized that I, as, as I as the time went on, as this thing didn't happen for me the way that I thought that it should, you know, um, that um, there was a resentment uh, uh, that started to grow towards God, a mild irritation, as you will. You know, that's one of the things that I talk about to my protégés when we're doing the ninth step is that. A lot of times uh, we think of resentments as these monumental um, burning angers. And a mild irritation is a resentment. You know, if I'm mildly irritated at you, that is a resentment. And that will that that will eat up, eat me up. It'll grow. 
but it'll eat me up. And uh, I had a mild irritation towards God. I was mildly irritated at God that he wouldn't give me uh, what it was that I thought that he was given to other people and that I wanted. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that itself, that irritation, that resentment itself is a, is a blockage to, to growth, a blockage to, to that relationship with God. So, uh, I, that, that, uh, sets up this idea of, of, uh, getting over here to Bill's religious, to Bill's spiritual experience and what the big book tells us actually happened. Um, you know, uh, the first part of Bill's story, uh, up through about page seven or eight, um, is, uh, uh, Bill's early history, his drinking history. Um, you know, you can see his descent into, uh, into the madness, his descent into the alcoholism, his, uh, his futile attempts sometimes to stop for periods of time, and uh, you know that's all good. It's all uh, it's all a good setup for what's about to happen to Bill. And um, you know uh, it, it, we we can mirror that. I, I can mirror some of that in my own life. You know that uh, it didn't start out as terrible, and I you know Bill had ambitions. He wanted to rule the world. He wanted to be in charge of vast enterprises, and you know I did too. I wanted to rule the world. I I, I was 35 before I realized that I'd never get erect, elected president of the United States. That I that nobody really cared what I thought about politics. That uh, you know the fact of the matter is that uh, you know I had so many skeletons in the closet by then that uh, I couldn't have probably run for dog catcher. But nonetheless. Um, you know, my ego was large enough to think that uh, the world would be better if it gave me a lot more responsibility and put me in charge. And, you know, I had a lot of success in business, and, and that kind of fueled that ego, fueled that fire, that uh, that idea that, um, you know, I could be in charge, but always in the background was this madness of this disease, you know, and the growth of this disease as I uh, as it progressed, you know, the disease is um, permanent, progressive, and fatal. And uh, and it certainly was, in my case, <clears throat> permanent and progressive. And uh, and it grew, and it grew, and it, and it grew. And um, by the time I got the program, um, you know, the, the ego had started to get holes poked in it. You know, I'd started to experience the failures of my life enough that I hated myself, you know, enough that I, inside, I didn't like who I was. Uh, I wanted to be what my ego thought I was earlier in life, and I wasn't going to be that either, you know. And um, so that, you know, but I knew that God would, uh, God was in charge, and I, and I still believe that God was in charge, and I thought that uh, that God in his um, omnipotence could change all that, could change me in a heartbeat, and and uh, and I was wanting to volunteer for that. And, but 
So here, so it's back to Bob or Doctor Bill, I mean, and uh, so Bill, Bill gets to the place where he's uh, uh, in the hospital the first time, and he gets out thinking he's gonna make it, you know, and the goose hung high. Uh, he went to town, he made some money, uh, self knowledge. He thought it fixed him, but it didn't, and. Uh, uh, but he, and he so he fell off, uh, and uh, the, when he fell off, it said it was like a ski jump, and he returned to the hospital, and uh, in the hospital the second time, uh, he was informed that he'd end up with, he'd probably end up with the heart failure and delirium tremens, and that he was going to be uh, in pretty sad shape pretty soon, and he was almost welcoming that, in in. He had this, what he called the bitter morass of self-pity. He realized that alcohol was his master. He'd given up. He'd hit a bottom. He'd truly hit a bottom. So then we get over to, um, to he's out of the hospital the second time, and uh, standing at the door comes to see him is Ebby Thatcher, and we all know the story. Uh, Ebby was sober, and uh, he stood at the door. The door, the door opened, and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. Fresh-skinned. <clears throat> There's something about his eyes, something explosively different. And uh, uh, he said he had religion. Uh, Bill thought he was a crackpot. Uh, now, he, first he's a crackpot over alcohol. Now he's a crackpot over religion, and. Uh, he wants to uh, uh, talk to Bill, and Bill wants to drink. So we're still, um, Bill's still uh, in his um, disease, but there's already a shift in Bill. Um, there's already been a shift. You know, if you really, if you look at those first six or seven pages, um, Bill's never really talks about uh, God uh, in those first six or seven pages. He never really talks about um, a relationship with anything outside himself. His life has all been self-focused. It's all been uh, centered on him, on what he could accomplish, on the money he needed to make, on the drinks he needed, uh, the good times he wanted to have. And uh, it wasn't ever it wasn't ever focused on things outside of himself uh who he could help what he could do but we began to see i think um uh, that uh this in in his brokenness this reflection of uh of uh, a different idea um and and that brings us to the first point in in the in the talk, and that is, he saw he, Bill saw recovery in Ebby for the for really for the first time he saw recovery, um, and you know um, we we can go through life we can even go to meetings. Uh, and not see recovery. We can be. I can be in a meeting in a room, 
uh, I, I could be when there was recovery present and not see it if I'm focused on myself. It, I, I can be in a meeting and not see recovery if I'm focused on um, the good-looking girls in the room. I can be in recovery and not be, if I'm focused on whether my um, uh, wardrobe is right and whether I'm, uh, you know, being hip slick and cool, I, I can be, uh, I can be so focused on myself that I can be uh, in the presence of recovery and not see recovery. But Bill saw recovery, and and he, he saw it in in, in Ebby Thatcher, who of course we we all have learned, I believe, that Ebby never doesn't maintain that recovery, but at the moment he's got it, and and he's modeled it to Bill, and and it's attractive. You know, um, one of the things that uh, that I, I've come to believe is that uh, if I want to have recovery, if I want to maintain recovery, I have to put myself in a place where I see recovery. You know, um, I, I, I see recovery in my sponsor, I see recovery in my sponsees. I see recovery on the Vision for You meetings every morning. I, I hear recovery. Um, I hear recovery in, in the other meetings I go to. Um, I see recovery, and I model recovery. And, and that recovery um, is slow coming sometimes and progressive sometimes, but and certainly imperfect. But if I'm going to have recovery, I have to continue to put myself in the right chair. You know, I have to continue to come to to the right to the, to meetings where there's recovery, to conversations where there's recovery, and I and I and I have to be open to it. I have to be not focused on me, so that I can see that recovery. You know, my uh, my glasses, the, my new pair of glasses, have to be put on uh, correctly so that I I'm looking, you know, magnifying the recovery I see in other people. So Bill saw he he saw he saw recovery, and he wanted recovery. Now I, I'm going to point out that here we are. This is the beginning of Bill's spiritual experience, but he's not had a white light hit him yet, but he's on the road. Um, so uh, he, he's on the road, but he still returns, uh, he still returns to the alcohol. Um, he, even after, I kind of lost my place. Um, Even after Evie comes, you know, um, he, he's still drinking. Um, but he's got he, the the window's been cracked, the the door's been cracked open, so the fresh the winds can blow in, and uh, so he, he sees that starry-eyed look, and uh, uh, he didn't do any ranting, but he uh, he, he told Bill his story. He talked for hours, he said, and uh, and and Bill on on pages ten and eleven, 
which are really to me, uh, 10, 11, and the top of 12, is really the heart of Bill's spiritual awakening. Um, you know, Bill, um, in seeing Evie's, in seeing Evie's recovery, Bill begins to get hope for his own recovery, and and <clears throat> before uh, before he goes to the hospital the third time, um, before he uh, is struck with whatever it was he saw in the hospital that day. Um, he writes this, or he, he has this uh, awakening. And, you know, after they talked for hours and he, he thought of the Winchester Cathedral incidents and, and uh, he, he begins to talk here about how he'd always, had a, he'd always had a belief in a power greater than himself. He'd always had a belief that there was something greater than him. But... Um, you know, he he was lost in he was lost in a couple of arguments in his mind. Uh, you know, we can get lost in the uh, argument of science versus religion. You know, and, which is no argument at all. Uh, you know, the, we can get lost in this idea that uh, that perhaps we don't if if we knew everything. <clears throat> that we don't need a God, but I think if we knew everything, we would know God. But that would be a that would be an outside issue. Um, Bill, Bill just begins to realize that that he he had to believe he simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that he said that was as far as he went. So. He starts to list a series to me that I labeled in my big book as resentments. He was he had resentments at the world's religions. Um, you know, we look at religion sometimes and we see their flaws, and we see we see the human flaws uh, instead of uh, instead of God's work. Um, you know, it's a natural kind of thing to do. Uh, especially if you're looking for a reason not to participate. Um, he looked at, he said to Christ, he conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed his moral teaching, the most excellent moral teaching. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, but the rest I disregarded. Uh, again, I, I see a resentment there. You know, he's carrying a resentment. Um against the uh, um, the ones the people that are not too closely followed uh, those teachings well they follow but but they're human and rather than seeing their humanity their uh, our common humanity he, he saw their failure um, and you know we're all gonna that's the nature of mankind you know, we're, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to perfectly follow uh, uh, any religious thought. And if we judge a religion by the imperfect people in it, um, you know, I think sometimes we do that just so we don't have to take to consider the perfection of 
of God and the religion itself. Um, he, he looked at the wars that had been fought and the, the uh, and what he'd seen in Europe during World War One and the, and uh, thought that the God of, of human affairs was. I, again, I label this as a resentment. He has a resentment. He thought he wanted a more perfect world. You know, with, uh, who doesn't want a more perfect world? But you know, we're playing God when we do that. And 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 here, and here was Bill, playing God, admitting he's playing God. That uh, you know, uh, if I was God, there wouldn't be war. Well, I'm I'm playing God. Um, you know, God gave us free will and he gave mankind the the right to choose uh, because a good God would give man a right to choose, give women a right to choose. Uh, you know, it would be an evil God if he forced us to live a certain way. Um, you know, that would be, we'd call that tyranny. Um, and And because he's given us the right to choose, we haven't always chosen right. Uh, that's the nature of choice. And um, so he sees that this power, that this power originated in him, and there had been no more power in him than was in me. So it, he, he, he began to see, you see, that, uh, that, this, that Ebby had been hit by a power outside of himself. Uh, down at the bottom of page 11, uh, there was something at work in a human heart which has done the impossible. And, and, and so he felt, he, he felt the hope that, um, that uh, Ebby had. He, he, he began to see in, in Ebby this, this change, this, uh, this, this uh, growth uh, away from living his life and reaction to these uh, resentments and, uh, so he says that, he, back up on 12, he talks about that there was still uh, remain in him the vestiges of his old prejudice. The word God still arose a certain antipathy, uh, a certain resentment. Uh, he, 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 Ebby had told him there might be a God personal uh, to him, and, and the feeling intensified. I didn't like that idea. I couldn't go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar uh, of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I've since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. And then he, and then Abby gives him the key to freedom. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? Said so that statement hit him hard. It melted the icy mountain. In whose shadow I had lived and shivered for many years, it was only a matter of believing, of being willing to believe in a power greater than himself. Nothing more was required for me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start at that point upon the foundation of complete willingness. I might build what I saw in my friend. See, he 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 believed. He believed I might build in what I might see, what I'd seen in his friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. He was once convinced uh, that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. Um, and now we come to the fourth, to the third stay in the hospital. 
at the hospital I separated from alcohol for the last time. I want to, you know, we have to be separated from the food. Treatment seemed wise for our shown signs of delirium tremens. But in the hospital, he humbly offered himself to God, as, as, I, as he then understood him, to do with me as he would a third step. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. His schoolmate visited him, and, and, and then uh, on page 13, Bill goes through the steps. It, it, it talks about um, uh, he, he, he's going to go through uh, how to, he's going to test his new consciousness within. And I know that there was a six steps. He was doing the Oxford group six steps at the time. Um, not our 12 steps because he hadn't written them yet, but um, they're essentially the same process. And, uh, and so in the hospital now, after all this other, he begins to, he does the steps. And uh, his friend promised him that when all this was done, and, and there's an important statement. Ebby promised him that when these things were done, these steps were done, he would enter into a new relationship with his creator, and he'd have the elements of a way of living, which answered all my problems. And, and, and so what I'm trying to stress here is the timing of all this. You know, simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant direction and self-centeredness. I must turn to all things the Father alike. Um, there was a revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the minute I accept them in the effect, was electric. The sense was was a sense of victory, followed by such a peace and serenity I'd never known. There was utter confidence. I was felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. And and there it is. There it is. Uh, that is his statement of his spiritual of his spiritual uh, event, his, his, uh, uh, God, uh, whether God appeared to him in, in the hospital room, uh, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know, um, whether he, uh, believed that or not. I, I'm not certain. What I know is that he's saying that he had that spiritual experience, but the fact, the thing that the thing that had escaped me for so long in reading this, because I hadn't really read it in order, uh, you know, we read it disjointedly sometimes in meetings, and and uh, but the thing that had escaped me is that Bill, this process that Bill had had to go through, this process of hitting a bottom, you know, of going through that uh, soul crushing. Uh, experience of uh, not being able to live life on life's terms, a soul-crushing experience of of, of being drunk and, and uh, you know, being so despondent that he had to bring his mattress to a lower floor so he wouldn't jump. He had to go through that experience and hit, a, and hit an absolute rock bottom. And then he had to see an example. You know, he had to see an example of recovery uh, before him. 
And then in that example of recovery before him, he he had to feel the hope. You know, uh, he, he couldn't ignore it. He had to feel the hope. And then uh, because he'd felt the hope, he had to believe that that was possible for him too. And having done that, he had to take, which is going to be my fourth point, he had to take action. He began to work the steps to take action. And and it was only after he'd done all that that he had this sudden, so-called sudden spiritual experience, which wasn't so sudden after all, was it? Um, he, he'd had to work towards it, um, whether he saw himself working towards it or not. But he'd gone through certain steps and certain and certain phases in order to get to the point where God could get to him. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm uh, I'm sharing that uh, I, I'm stressing that because I'm afraid that it's not stressed enough. You know, we that that I I, I want I, when I take newcomers when I take people through the steps, um, I, I, I try to hit that with them when we go through Bill's story. We try to, we try to talk to them about how um, that spiritual experience that Bill had was the result of a changing attitude towards God. Um, it was a result of, of a surrender, of a defeat, and a surrender. It was the result of um, it was a result of seeing hope in somebody else, and it was a result of having faith in somebody else, and in having faith in in God, and having faith that this program or this process would work for them as well. And and you know the 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 key to all this is given to us right in the twelfth step, when it says, "Having had a spiritual awakening." as the result of these steps, not a result, not one of many results, not um, uh, as a possible result, but the, the word the, right there in the 12th step. It's probably one of the most important words in the steps, and it's three letters, T-H-E, the, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, and then what does it say we do? You know, we've had this spiritual awakening. Bill had this spiritual awakening. And so he had seen recovery. He'd felt recovery. He believed in recovery. But then he acted. And the 12th step says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, we carried the message to other compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. We act. Bill had to act. You know, Bill spent the next six months um, from about December when he was in the in the hospital on the third trip until June uh, 11th, 10th, 11th, when he, um, the date's a little sketchy, when he uh, calls on Dr. Bob. He spent all that time acting. He drug, he drug alcoholics off of bar stools, took them. The Oxford group meetings. He uh, he tried to uh, get him into the hospital. He he did the things that uh, he did the things that he knew to do. 
without success, he didn't get anybody sober except himself. But he did he did keep himself sober. But he acted, you know, he he he, he acted um with the steps, he acted with trying to get others sober. And finally he acted uh when he was in the hotel room in the hotel not room but lobby um in Akron, Ohio, and he heard the glasses tinkle, his business was falling apart, and he said Maybe a drink will do. And then he thought, no, what I need is another alcoholic. And and he went to Dr. Bob. He went to the church bulletin board and he worked, went through a, uh, a, a pastor and then somebody else. And he got to talk to Dr. Bob. But he did that. He did that action not because he thought he could get Dr. Bob sober, but he did that action in order to keep himself sober. He did that action because he knew that by giving it away, he would stay sober. And uh, thank God that he did. Thank God that he did because since he did, we have the opportunity ourselves to stay sober. The, from there, the program grows and explodes. And, uh, you know, we, we have a solution. Um, we, we have the ability. We have the resources to find the solution, the spiritual way of life that can keep us out of the food, keep us out of the alcohol, and keep us out of our other behaviors uh, if we'll simply grab a hold of it and use it. And, uh, you know, I thank God for that opportunity every day. And, uh, you know, I have to renew this experience uh, along the way. You know, I, I, I need to look around me all the time and see recovery and feel recovery, and feel the hope that uh, I see in you and the people around me. I have to surround myself with those people. And uh, I have to continue to believe that God could and would if he were sought, not just for you, but for me and for the newcomers that are walking in the door, that God could and would if he were sought. And then I have to act. Um, I have a sponsee that's ready to sponsor a few that, and uh, we had this talk again, the same talk I have every time. I'm not ready. I don't feel ready. You know, um, I, I'm I'm afraid I won't do it right. And you know, but we have to act. Uh, you know, he he's seen recovery, he's felt recovery, believed in recovery, but we have to act in recovery. We have to give it away, and and we're not going to do it perfectly. Bill Wilson didn't do it perfectly for the first six months or so after he uh, had this white light experience, after he had his spiritual awakening. He didn't do it perfectly, obviously. Um, he probably didn't do it perfectly with Dr. Bob, but he did it, and he did it, and that kept him sober, and uh, it finally lit a fire in somebody else because they saw recovery. They felt recovery, they believed in recovery, and they shared recovery. And, and with that, I'm going to wrap up. I'm a few minutes early uh, for my 45 minutes, but uh, I don't want to over-belabor the same point. So with that, I'm going to pass, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to share. I hope I made sense, and uh, I'll be here for questions. Thanks.
Thank you, Craig, for your thorough, revealing, and inspiring presentation this morning. Thank you for bringing Bill's story to life through your own personal experience this morning. Thank you so very much. Today's share ID, 19,998. That's 19998. Craig's contact information will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so stay tuned for that. And indeed, we will now transition to question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Craig by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Susan C. Susan C. Star one to unmute. Carla C. Carla C. Sharon C. Sharon C. Anyone else want to get on the list at this time? Surrey C. Is that Surrey C? Yes. Okay. All right, very well. We'll start with this If everybody could please mute, except for Susan C. And we'll get started. Questions only, please. Susan C., your turn. Sorry, I didn't realize I got muted again, and that's not my background. Gotcha. We're going to take care of that right now. Go ahead with your question. Great. Thank you, Leah, as always, and uh, Craig for um, that, that share, which I really appreciated on Bill's story. My question is this. Something that confuses me a bit is that on the one hand, we talk about these, the psychic chains and the cosmic rearrangement where um, – <laughs> I'm just trying to focus with the, the background noise um, – the, the cosmic change that occurs and, on the, and that it's not about us, it's about um, others, other people. And yet, on the other hand, um, it seems like Sponsorship is described as being something that is about us, that it's about us staying sober or abstinent, as opposed to it being about carrying the message just for the message's sake. And so I, because I hear both a lot, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on how you um, kind of wed the, the two concepts. Thanks so much. Hope that's clear. Yeah, I think that was clear. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, I'm I'm not sure that there's a complete answer to that. I think that there is a, a little bit of a um, chicken and egg kind of a question there. The uh, the fact is, though, that uh, uh, sponsorship is about enlightened self-interest. 
you know, uh, it, it is about, um, uh, you know, when I sponsor, I, I can be concerned about and interested in and and uh, care for my sponsees. But the truth is, the bottom line is that uh, I am doing, I am spon- I sponsor in order to keep myself abstinent. That if I, um, because I know that the best way for me to learn this program is to teach it. The best way to for me to have this program is to give it away. And, uh, you know, that, that I have to be a, a, a conduit or I'm a, I'm a plugged up pipe if I'm not a conduit. I, I, I always like to tell that story of, uh, uh, in, in, in Israel, there are two seas, two main seas. There's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And the Jordan River fall, flows into the Sea of Galilee, and it flows back out again. And the Sea of Galilee is alive and full of fish, and uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a beautiful place. And then it flows out of the Sea of Galilee, and it flows into the Dead Sea, which is dead. It, because it, the water is trapped, it can't flow back out. It, it leaves only by evaporation, and and uh, you know it's it's such an, a a poignant example of how the sponsorship works. If the water flows in and it doesn't flow out, if I just simply sit here and try to absorb and, and it doesn't flow out, then I'm dead. But if the water flows in and the water flows out, if I Sponsor and I'm sponsored, then I'm alive. Thing, you know, it it, it is uh, a chance for life, and uh, it's the same with sponsorship. The water has to flow in and flow out, and uh, you know that that's what keeps me alive. So, I hope I hope I didn't pass that off. I hope I answered it. Thank you, Susan C, for your question. Carla C. Star one ton mute. For your courage. Um, and thank you, Leah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like my question is stupid, but I don't think there are any stupid questions. If I cannot work the steps with a sponsor until I'm entirely abstinent, entirely abstinent, how will I ever gain entire abstinence? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the question, and I feel your pain um, in, in asking that question. But the big book is pretty clear about the necessity to put the food down first. And, uh, you know, that most of us, most of us still have the ability if we're ready to put down the food for 48 hours and to get started and then to work quickly through the steps. But, you know, there is a line in the big book that says sometimes hospitalization is necessary. You know, sometimes uh, those outside restraints are necessary to get us started. And I I don't know if that's a a possibility for you or not, but, um, you know, I, 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 I've seen that work for certain people, but um, you know. On the other hand, I, I, you know, sometimes 
we we want to cut short this uh, what I'm going to call step zero experience. You know, they get into the get into the gift of desperation. You know, getting to the point where we are um, so desperate, we're ready to do whatever we have to do, and and just say, you know, I, learn from the experience. I can't do it. I you know I I can't. I can't, God can, I think I'll let him, but how do we know we can't? We know we can't because we've experienced not doing it. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know where you're at, uh, you know, uh, but we can't. The alternative would be to try to work the steps while we're eating and the problem with that is that we can't really get the effect of the steps if we're getting the effect from the food. Uh, we're, we're simply not going to hear and feel and see the things we need to see, hear and feel while we're eating. We, we, we just, it's just not, I think, possible. Uh, I think we have to put the food down and uh, one way or the other. And if that takes hospitalization, if that takes um, somebody locking you in your room, I don't know, whatever it takes to get started. But, um, you know, it also takes, it, it takes experiencing and accepting our powerlessness. You know, uh, you're powerless over food. I'm powerless over food. And my life is unmanageable. And, you know, if, sometimes life has to teach us that lesson. And I'm hard-headed and it had to teach me that lesson a bunch of times. And uh, so the other end, other part of that is prayer, you know, just pray for the, pray for not the willingness. You've got the willingness, pray for the strength, you know, to take action, to take the action that's required. That might be the only other thing that might help. So thank you for the question. Yes, thank you, Carla C., for your question. Next up, Sharon C. Star one to unmute, Sharon. Okay, can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I'm Sharon C. from New Jersey. Thank you, Leah, and thank you, Craig. Um, this is a strange question, I think, but I really uh, need need to hear some kind of answer. Um, I have mild traumatic brain injury and I have, prior to the accident, um, I was, I was, you know, had several, quite a few sponsees, brought some people through to the 12, 12 steps. And now what's happening is, uh, um, I think I'm losing my confidence or I can't seem to say what I really mean. I lose my trend of thought real quickly. I can't find the proper words to express, and um, I find myself, um, I mean, I even have sponsees calling me uh, that have already went through, and I don't know, I feel very uncomfortable. I don't know what's going on with me. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. This doesn't, uh, so I guess my question is, how do you think that I would be able to be a sponsor again um, if I have a difficult time expressing what I'm trying to really say. Because I have traumatic brain injury. I don't even know if I mentioned that. 
um, from an accident. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry about your injury. Um, but uh, and thank you for the, the question. The uh, idea of whether uh, what you're able to do with a traumatic brain injury is, in essence, an outside issue, <clears throat> one that I'm certainly not uh, in any position or qualification to talk much about. Uh, but I, what does come to mind is the idea that there are other ways to be of service um, to people, um, especially if you're going through a period of recovery. You know, um, phone comer, phone calls to newcomers, phone calls to to, to other people is an act of service. It's an action that um, will will give you some of the same benefits as sponsoring. And uh, you know, um, if you're not able to sponsor. Um, then maybe you can focus more on some of those things. Those are that's an it's an important service. Um, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I do know that uh, I do know that God's a great healer, and I pray and hope that God uh, helps you come back to to yourself and to feeling your confidence. And that's all I can all I can offer you. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Sharon C., for your question this morning. And Surrey C., time for your question. Star 1 to unmute. Surrey C. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Craig, for your share. Um, uh, My question is with regards to sponsorship. um, uh, So from what I understand, Bill did not, like, Bill had Ebby visit him, but he didn't have a sponsor. Um, what? And then Ebby lost his recovery. So um, could you please speak about how to understand, um, I guess, Bill and Ebby's sponsorship relationship and what, what, like, how to trust a sponsor who doesn't have like doesn't keep recovery? Well, those are two different questions. Thank you for the question. The uh, I, I really don't know the intimate details. Maybe somebody like Harlan might know. Uh, but when Ebby relapsed and and all that, um, you know, but. Uh, uh, just thank God Bill made it. That's all I can say. You know, um, he did what he had to do. And, you know, things were different then. Bill was going to to Oxford meetings. Um, perhaps he had people there that he was working with. I, I don't know. Um, somebody else might. Um, you know, if I had a sponsor that I couldn't trust, I'd get a different sponsor. Um you know, it, it's uh, uh, not an insult. It's not a um, not. It's business. It's not personal, like the mafia would say. You know, uh, yeah, you, you need to get a sponsor that uh, that you can work with, one that'll work you. And uh, uh, if the one you have isn't working, then get one that, that will work. Uh, we're not 
we're not locked, we're not married, uh, you know, nobody said till death do you part. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's plenty of people that announce themselves every every weekday morning at uh, uh, 7.50 Central Time uh, that say, uh, get on the line and say, I'm available to sponsor. And, uh, you know, if the one you have isn't working, then get one that'll work. Uh, that's the best advice I could give. Thank you. Thank you, Suri C., for your question. We have time for more questions. Of course, we're delving into Chapter 1, Bill's story. Who else has a question? Veronica C., New York. Alexis F. Alexis F. Michelle F. Michelle F. Thus far, I have Veronica C., Alexis F., Michelle F. Who else has a question for Craig this morning? Mary F. Mary F. All right. We'll proceed with these four. Everybody, please mute, except for Veronica C., Good morning, Craig, Leah. Thank you so much for the meeting, and thank you so much, Craig, for uh, your beautiful presentation this morning. I wanted to know a little bit more about who your Ebby was and how Ebby presented it himself or herself to you and a bit about your bottom. Uh, <laughs> okay, well... Um, my first Ebby was my baby sister, who got to OA long before I did, um, wrote me a letter of amends that I thought she'd joined a cult, um, but uh, she uh, did recover from her bulimia, and uh, it was a big help to me to help me know there was a way. That was uh, over 30 years ago, uh, but she was the first of many, you know. I don't have one Ebby. Um, you know, the second Ebby was uh, uh, a counselor that uh, I had to go to during my divorce, and the counselor was sober 20 years in AA, and uh, he listened to me for an hour and said what he wanted me to do was to go to OA and uh, go for a year, and when I was ready to be honest with him, uh, to come back and uh, Come back and see him. <laughs> you know, it pissed me off, but uh, but he was right. You know, I wasn't. I didn't even know what self honesty was. Um, uh, you know, so I count him as an Abby. Uh, you know, there 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 are many more along the way. Um, I uh, have had some good sponsors uh, along the way. I didn't give all of them a chance, but I did, and then. You know, six years ago, I I landed in the hospital uh, in, in relapse with uh, uh, a, a, a physical problem that's related to my weight, and uh, you know, uh, 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 Kelly S., who may or may not be on the line this morning, 
came to see me in the hospital, and uh, she told me about a Vision for You meetings and gave me Harlan's phone number, and uh, so she can count as one of my Abbeys. And, uh, you know, I saw in her uh, her recovery. You know, I'd met her, of course, knew her well from years before. But, um, I, you know, I was in relapse. And uh, she gave me uh, gave me those phone numbers. And uh, uh, for three weeks in the hospital, I uh, you know, worked with Harlan, got pretty well through the steps before I got out of the hospital and was listening to Vision every morning. And uh, and um, kept that up now for over six years, and uh, so those are all people that count as Abby. They all show up as fresh faced and glowing. They all show up with recovery. Uh, I saw recovery in them. I felt the recovery in them, and uh, you know, and and I uh, uh, believed in the in in that the recovery would work for me as well. And uh, again, uh, you know, it it works because uh, we take action. We move forward and take action. So uh, that's my story. Was there a second part of that question that I missed? I got involved answering that. I believe you cut it all. Craig, it was uh, yeah. regarding your ebbies and your bottom. What was your bottom like? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Thank you, Veronica, for your question. Let's move on now to Alexis F. Your question, please. Yes, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for your share. And uh, my question is... Um, in step one, in the first three chapters deal with step one. So Bill's story is part of step one. Telling your story, of course, and sharing your qualification as to how you qualify as a compulsive overreader are part of it. But um, the powerlessness over food and the um, unmanageability of your life, are you talking about the... Um, alcoholic foods and uh or the uh green light foods that we um you know eat every day i have uh, and i've heard most people say you can't do this but i had a yellow light listed on it or things like uh sweet potatoes and ezekiel bread they don't throw a party in my mouth so um you know, I, I eat those a uh, uh, small amount on a regular basis. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, thanks for the question. <clears throat> I don't, uh, personally, I don't do yellow light. Uh, you know, it's either on or it's off. Um, you know, I've been freed from food obsession and you know, I'm not a dietary expert by any any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, I I I I don't even play one on TV. Uh, dietary expert, I, I I don't know enough to say. But what I do know is that there are foods that trigger me, and there are foods that don't. And but even the foods that don't can, in volume, trigger me. And so. 
you know, I have to have a defined, weighed and measured food plan that I have, and I have to have outside help uh, to help me arrive at that plan to tell me what to eat, um, and uh, I have to be accountable for it. And uh, you know, the rest of it, uh, I don't know. That's you know, it, it's up to you. It's uh, it's your personal thing. If you uh, if you have something you think you can eat certain times in moderation, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't work for me, and uh, you know. But I'm different. I'm I'm different from you. I'm not terminally unique, and I'm not unique. But just for me, it's either it's either on that weighed and measured food plan, and and uh, you know, or it's not. And I'm not going to worry about it either way. So. Thank you, Alexis F. Michelle F., your turn. Thanks, Leia, and thank you, Craig, for your service. Um, I seem to be attracting uh, sponsees that uh, are very reluctant to sponsor. And so I'm wondering if you could um, share with us the first sponsee of yours that, that sponsored, and how did you help them did you did you meet with them on a regular basis um did you only answer questions um i i i think i need more information about how people are supporting their sponsees to be sponsors so that's my question thank you yeah thank you um you know i suppose that's probably uh, on an individual basis, um, I, I I remember hearing from my first grand sponsee what a what a great day that was. You know, uh, I, I just you know a fellowship will grow up around you. It says in the big book, and that and what a what a wonderful thing that is. Um, my I, you know I always offer my sponsees when they're ready to start sponsoring that. I'm available if they've got questions that, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm there um, if they need, uh, need help to outline it. And, um, I, you know, sometimes you hear questions, sometimes you don't, um, you know, uh, wh- what I got to tell you is that, um, I, I heard Harlan say this the other day about himself too. I, I, the waste heap of my sponsees that didn't make it is a pretty large waste heap. You know, they weren't ready. They didn't do the work um, or whatever. Uh, I, I, and, and guess what? I'm not, I'm not going to take the guilt or the responsibility for that. Ho- hopefully they'll come back. Hopefully they'll find, uh, find their way uh, into recovery Um all I can do is carry the message that was given to me. Uh, I, I, I've, uh, uh, I, I, it's, it's um, something that um, I can't get too, uh, too attached to this. You know, to can't get too attached to the results. I'm not in the results business. I, I'm in the business of just carrying. This plain message that was that was carried to me, 
and uh, hope that uh, I carry it in a way that maybe uh, somebody can hear it. Um, and and it, and that's the same message I give to my sponsees. They're not in the results business. They're in the business of carrying the message. And through enlightened self-interest, if nobody else stays sober, and they do, they're still a success. And, and you know, if other people stay sober, what a wonderful day. You know, we'll all, you know, dance with the unicorns and the bluebirds will swing around and fly around our heads and, and it'll be a wonderful day. But the fact is, if I stay sober, if I stay abstinent, uh, I, I've done my job. And uh, I've carried the message and I've done my job. And... And, and that's the same for your sponsee, you know. Uh, they're doing it for enlightened self-interest. Thank you, Michelle F., for your question. Now we have Mary F. It's our one-time mute, Mary F. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much uh, for your share. It was very enlightening. And my question is, I think I understood you to say that Bill worked um, a big share of the steps in the hospital before he had that spiritual awakening or experience. Um, yeah. is, is that what you said? <laughs> well, I, I wasn't there, and uh, I, I don't know for sure, but what I do know is the way he wrote the book, he reports his effort to work the steps before he reports his spiritual experience. And I take that to mean that he at least made a, a good beginning on the steps before this white light experience occurred. You know, um, I, I, I don't have um, a, a sort of a, um, authority to, to declare that. I'm just pointing out that his report on his working the steps comes before his report about the clean wind blowing through him. And and I take that to mean that he's saying that he did those things and then he got that result. And, uh, you know, I, I, I could be stood to be corrected, but I'm, uh, I, I'm just going to read it that way. Uh, because I believe that's how it does work. So, um, don't know. Somebody has better information, I'm willing to listen. Thank you, Mary F., for your question this morning. We have time for two or three more questions. Anyone else with something on their mind? Barb, Barb S. Barb S. Chris G. Chris G. Nadia B. Nadia B. Barbara P. And Barbara P. Okay, let's try to attend to all that. Questions only, of course, beginning with Barb S. Hi. Thank you for your share. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, great. Um, I am a recovered um compulsive overeater who have not I haven't done well with uh my first sponsee I was trying to 
carry the message as the message was given to me through the big book. And uh, that was that I started per instruction of my sponsor to read the big book from the very beginning, from the forward, and to highlight various things, uh, suggestions, warnings, hope, and prayers. And that's how I was uh, starting with my sponsee. And it, it, it didn't work. Is this how you all uh, start with your sponsees? Because I listened to a vision for you. Um, my sponsee felt I was being too um, rigid in the reading assignments. And so what is the best way to start with going through the big book with a new sponsee? Thank you for your help in this. Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, I don't know that uh, there's a universal answer uh, to that question about the best way. Um, You know, usually the best way is the way that worked with you. But uh, I'll just tell you what I do with my sponsees. Uh, I have them read... I tell I have them read the uh, um, doctor's opinion twice. The first day I have them read it, and I have them uh, look for um, the things that the doctor says will get them sober, and the things that the doctor says won't get them sober, and uh, count them. And we talk about the things that the doctor says will and won't get them sober. And uh, the second day I have them read it again, and uh, you know which is probably one more day than my sponsor would have used. But, um, you know, I want them to get this chapter down correctly, and I have them uh, mark each paragraph in the, in, in the doctor's opinion with one of three letters, uh, uh, and that is A for allergy, O for obsession, and B for mental blank spot. And they ask, does that paragraph apply to the allergy to the obsession or to the mental blank spot or all three or any two of them, whatever. So mark each paragraph. And then we talk about that, you know, um, so that they get a grip on, on, on those concepts that that we have an allergy, we have an obsession, we have a mental blank spot and that the combination of those things that, that cause the disease that are the root of the disease. So um, that's what I do with them for that, and then, uh, but then we try to move on quickly. And you're always going to get people that don't want to do the work. You know, they want the results, if they, but they don't want to do the work, and and uh, they're not ready. They're not desperate enough. But you know, um, that's uh, uh, you know, we've got to be ready to grab it like a drowning man would grab for a a life preserver, and uh, uh, you know, if my sponsee would have told me I had to stand on my head when I did it, I, I I would have tried to figure out a way to get on my head. I couldn't have done it, but I'd have done it, tried to do it anyway. You know. So, mm-hmm. uh, Thank I you for your answered. question, Barbara. Thank you, Chris mm-hmm. G. Your turn. 
question, please? Chris G. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. This is Chris G. Um, <clears throat> I wanted. I, I want. I really appreciated your uh, description of wanting a white light experience, and um, I want to hear more about your actions you take on a daily basis to to seek God and to ask God in. Okay. Thank you for the question. Um, you know, I, I have uh, bounced back and forth on this um, a little bit in my life, but, um, you know, uh, my prayers have gotten more simple um, with time, uh, especially my morning prayer. Um, my morning prayer uh, basically starts with, uh, Dear God, guide my thoughts and actions today and show me how I can be of maximum service to you and to my fellows. And everything else is fluff after that. I mean, everything else is uh, it may be something I feel like I need to pray for, but that is the essence of my prayer. Show me how to be of service to you and my fellows today because that's enough for me. You know, that is... That is um, where I need to be and what I need to have, you know. Uh, God's going to take care of my physical needs. He always has, um, and, and he always will until the day I leave this mortal coil. But, um, you know, I, I don't really feel like I need to spend a lot of time praying over that. Uh, on the other hand, there are things that I spend a lot of time praying for, and, and mostly that's others. You know, um, my uh, my story to my sponsees is I always I tell them every time I talk to them, pray up when we're done, pray up. And sometimes I'll say, pray fervently. And uh, you know, I, I I'm uh, I, I'm of the mind that uh, in our modern um, kind of ADHD world. We don't know what praying fervently is about, you know. Um, we we don't understand people that spend uh, all night praying or hours praying uh, or just hearing God, you know. And, and, you know, step 11 tells us that we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him. And, and you know, that, what we, we used to call that a lick and a promise. You know, most people give things in their life a lick and a promise and they move on. And, and uh, you know, the idea that we could spend uh, an hour or two hours, um, I, I, I hate to get religious, but it's Sunday morning. Uh, and, you know, the story in the Bible of, of Jesus uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane where he... Uh, tells his asks his sponsees to or his sponsees his disciples to pray with him and uh, they fall asleep and he said you couldn't even pray with me for an hour you know and, and he prayed so fervently he sweat blood it says but the disciples couldn't pray well pray an hour who, who prays for an hour you know who has the concentration who has the uh, surrender the dedication to pray for an hour um, 
I had a friend who passed recently. He was a probably one of the most successful defense attorneys in the state of Oklahoma. Very wealthy man, very successful man. Taught my Sunday school class, and uh, he uh, uh, his son showed me his prayer list that was on his desk uh, when he died. And the prayer list I was on the prayer list for he had the prayer list for people that had health concerns. And he had a prayer list for people that had salvation concerns. He had a prayer list for people that he had that had other financial needs. And the man spent uh, an hour or two every morning in his office praying for other people. Very spiritual man. What a wonderful man. And you know how many of us? You know how many of us can can say that we are um, that connected to a higher power. But so we we practice that 11th step to learn to practice that prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him. And, uh, you know, pray for others. Pray for being a, how to be of service for others. Um, and, uh, you know, spend time with God. Uh, that's um, that. That's what we're made for. That's what we're best fitted for, and that's where recovery leads us. I hope. Does that answer your question, or did I get off track? Let's take that as a yes. You answered okay. the question. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Okay, our final question for this morning comes from Nadia B. Hi, Nadia. Leah and Craig, thank you. Such a pleasure to hear you, as always, over the years. Um, My question is, um, have you ever experienced um, stagnancy in spiritual growth or, you know, had someone else uh, do and is there any suggestions um, how to, um, you know, grow spiritually uh, as fast as our disease grows, actually? So, I don't know. I hope that's clear, that question is clear. Well, yeah, thank you for the question. And, and, and it's a, really a, a good question. Um, I, I, I think that uh, the answer to that is that, you know, we we work steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. And what are those steps but, um, you know, practicing a spiritual way of life so that we have growth? You know, step 10, when these things come up, it gives us the, it gives us the tools to handle resentments. It gives us the tools to handle fear. It gives us the, the tools to handle uh, the buildup of emotion so that we can remain in a spiritual state of mind. And step 11, of course, you know, when we practice that on a daily basis, we're practicing, you know, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand God. And step 12, how spiritual is that? You know, that we have, uh, you know, had a spiritual awakening. We recognize that. We're acknowledging that that we're now on a different basis and that we... uh, um, you know, are going to 
carry this message and practice these principles in all our affairs. And, you know, the main principles we need to practice in all our affairs are acceptance and surrender. And, and so when we talk about living our lives in steps 10, 11, and 12, we're talking about practicing a discipline, a way of life that is in itself spiritual growth. And, and you know, if, if, if you can have, uh, you know, one year 30 times or, you know, you can have 30 years of, of doing that. But, uh, you know, if we're going to continue to do those things, they should continue to deepen us and continue to help us to grow. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the answer to that question is, Practicing that life of acceptance and surrender of working the steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis going forward and living this program, as Leah says, every time she closes here, you know, I'm going to go live it. And that's what that means to me. I'm going to go live the 10th, 11th, and 12th steps. And, uh, you know, what a wonderful way of life. So I hope that answered the question. I hope it answered everybody's question. So, Thank you, Nadia B., for your question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Craig, for your time this morning, sharing your experience with all of us, bringing Bill's story to life in Technicolor, a beautiful, enlightening, and inspiring presentation this morning, another gem for the archives. Thank you so much. The share ID for this presentation, 19,900. And ninety-eight. That's one nine 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 eight. And now we're going to close from page one sixty-four. Of course, you know that it's in a chapter entitled "A Vision for You." Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.